What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? It's your co-host, Ridge. Welcome back. Yeah, Jack, good to be back, as always. You know, I was curious if you're going to mix up your entry this time, your your opening line, what's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners, because it's pretty rhetorical and they can't respond, but I like the consistency of it. Um, Good to be back, though, third pot of January, so we're getting off to a hot start in 2023. Yeah, that's it's funny you say that. I was just listening to I listened to a fantasy podcast. I listened to the official FPL one and then the Always Cheating. I subscribe to them via Patreon. Um, a couple of Michigan State guys who live out in New York. Um, a couple of nerds like myself who uh, follow FPL, and I've grown to like them a little bit since lockdown. And they always start off with like the signature thing, like "What's up, cheaters? How are you?" And that's like how their signature intro. And I was like, I black out every time I start an episode. I have fully no clue how I start every time. You've got the consistency how- part down. I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of flair to it, though. So maybe get something a little bit snazzier or catchier. Well, um, I guess I that's a just good... I it's- back, so it's, that's not really any better. Right, right, right. But that's a good... Uh, so towards the end of the pod, we'll actually highlight some things we're trying to get into in 2023 with the podcast and on the podcast. So uh, maybe we should put that on some of my goals, change my intro or get more creative with the intros. We can workshop um, some uh, some different ideas, maybe test them out, see how people like them. Right, exactly. So we'll we'll start with... Uh, go, walk through a quick re- uh, weekend recap. Weekend recap. Um, of, uh, of all the prem action. Um, and then we're going to jump over to the fancy corner. Uh, you know, we're popping into the fancy corner again this week. Then, uh, Chris, I'm getting trivia from you this week, correct? Correct. And then we'll jump into predictor app picks, um, as always. And then, like I mentioned towards the end, where we'll talk about some things we want to get done this year, show you guys in some of our plans for those who are listening regularly. Uh, we got some really nice feedback lately that folks are um, enjoying, you know, listening to the pods regularly. So we want to clue you in on some of the Things we want to achieve this year in the spirit of, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions and all that ish. I know you hate resolutions, Chris, but, you know. I'm not much of a resolution guy, but, um, I, you know, goals are good. And I think we have a lot of ideas that we want to get out there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go over some things. And obviously, we're always open to ideas, feedback, things like that, too. So hopefully people have some ideas for us as well. All right, so goals are good. Let's talk about Arsenal 3, United 2. What a yeah, segue. Like, that like was a great, that? that would be what? your best ever transition. So, um, Let's go. Yeah, we are growing, but that, that was great. Yeah, Arsenal 3, United 2. I mean, I will say I watched a ton of Prem this weekend. It wasn't the best weekend overall. Um, it wasn't quite as good as the, the previous one, but this game absolutely lived up to the hype. I mean, it was chaotic, energetic from start to finish. I was like on the edge of my seat the entire game. Um, you really couldn't ask for a whole lot more out of it, unless you were a United fan. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I think we had how many goalless draws? Did we have three this past weekend? Um, we had Liverpool. Palace, Newcastle, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leeds, Brentford. Yeah, three. Yeah, so I, I mean, three goalless draws it, with teams that you know Leeds is traditionally high scoring, Liverpool traditionally high scoring, Palace, Newcastle, um, both not traditionally that high scoring uh, or this season at least. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of echo that sentiment. I was a little disappointed in some of the, I mean, you just had some kind of not great matchups. Um, but anyway, the the key matchup was that Arsenal United game. And we talked about this one a little bit, you know, a lot uh, the week before on the podcast of how it's sort of being a real line in the sand and a real test for Ten Hogs men. Um, and... You know, I just thought that that gapping quality 
really came through, right? Like Ten Hag with his team for half a season versus Arteta and, you know, going on two. Um, you really saw a difference, or two and a half, actually, even three. Uh, he's been there for a minute. Um, but you really just saw, you know, like Aaron Wambasaka gets beat at the back post for Eddie Nketiah's kind of headed goal on the first one. Wambasaka kind of turns off for a moment. So maybe that's why he's kind of been on the outskirts of the team. and He's not their first choice right back. Um I thought at the end that the goal was a little chaotic and maybe Wambasaki could have gotten back on side a, a little quicker. Um, so, you know, just defensively, I thought they 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 missed Casemiro and had some moments. But then on the offensive side, um, you know, they look good. And, there were, and, and it, you know, it seems pretty obvious that the route to goals is through Marcus Rasher for that team, but he is just on another level and it's working for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give United a little bit more credit. I, I'm not saying you, you weren't really completely bashing him there. Casemiro definitely makes a big difference. But this is a good match, and United had a, a real chance of winning it, definitely at least getting a point. They should have been able to see it out down the stretch. But, um, you know, you had to – you didn't have Casemiro. who's probably been their best player this season. Scott McTominay comes in, fills that role. Definitely a downgrade. I'm not as – I'm not as down as McTominay as some on McTominay as some people are, but it's obviously a huge uh, drop in quality there from Casemiro. And you look at this United team; I mean, they're starting Scott McTominay, um, Val Veghorst, and then Anthony, who I think is just god awful right now. Um, and they were in this game; like they, Bruno has been playing a lot better. He's been more consistent with his goal returns. He's roaming all over the pitch um, the way they're playing right now. So he's kind of playing everywhere. And then I, I talked about Erickson last week, but, uh, you know, Rashford is just unbelievable right now. His first goal was phenomenal, and he's a guy that can win you games on his own right now with the form he's in. And I think, you know, Arsenal were just unbelievable to watch. They are they're so much different than these other top teams right now. Maybe, you know, maybe not besides Man City, but, like, the way that they just flow attacking um, – they're so quick. They have all these guys that are really, really good technically. They don't misplace any passes. They know where everyone is on the pitch. It's really, they're, they're just a well-oiled machine when they're in possession going forward and they break so quickly. Um, the, the biggest takeaway I think I had from this one is Saka is just out of this world good. And I, Obviously, mm. I've known he's been a good player for a long time, but I mean, he was unbelievable. Every time the ball came to him, he he's just so quick with his burst, his first touch. He can change direction so fast. If you get the ball on his left boot anywhere near the box, like he can score from anywhere. He showed that he had an incredible goal, and then he almost had another one later on. They got deflected and, and went off the post. So, like, I, I don't know if it's time to have the discussion. I mean, is he in that echelon of players right now, like, you know, top five guy in the Premier League? I, I think it'd be hard to argue against it. Wow. I, I think that's a take. I, I actually think Odegaard's probably, in my eyes, making the quickest sort of gain in terms of player I thought he was versus player he is or kind of standings in terms of pop, top player in the leagues. I, I would kind of make that case for Martin Odegaard. But I agree with you. It's hard. To, I'm, you know, I'm not going to turn around and say Saka's not impressing, of course. I mean, he's his goal like, was, he is miles ahead of like Mo Salah or Son th- this season, the way he's yeah. playing. Really, any winger on Man City. Um, it's basically, you know, Holland... Rashford, Saka, as far as attackers go, in my eyes, out of the bigger clubs at least, that are really the elite players right now. He is just incredible to watch. Like He's such a fun player. Just amazing energy yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, you got to think, if only England had a World Cup where they could have started Bakayo Saka on one wing and Marcus Rashford on the other. Um, 
but but anyway, I, I I think the other thing that's interesting when you watch these teams is I I was you know tactically one thing that um you know if you, if you're kind of tactically following the game or curious to see how teams set up in possession a bi- a big thing that this Arsenal team does when they have Zinchenko in the team is he, he slides into central midfield and that give and so they sort of play a back 3 when they're in possession with Ben White, Saliba and Gabriel and then Zinchenko sort of moves into an inverted wing back ahead of that back 3 and adds into a, a central midfielder now they already have three in central midfield with Odegaard, Partey and Jaka and so because Zinchenko slots in there in possession, Xhaka and Odegaard have license to get much further up the pitch. So then they're almost attacking with four, often five players instead of just the traditional kind of attacking three um, that like Liverpool used for so long, etc. Um, and so I think that, and you see uh, City have done it, did that all last season with Cancelo. Um, and then now Rico Lewis is doing the same thing because Cancelo can't really get a game in. Um, and so I think, you know, there, there's another instance there of Mikel Arteta sort of copying what's working for Pep and what works in Pep's teams. He went out and picked up some Zinchenko. Zinchenko didn't get that role in the Manchester City team. Now he has that role in the Arsenal team. And I thought he was uh, he, he was fantastic um, in possession for Arsenal in that game. And then curiously enough, like you actually saw Luke Shaw sometimes go into that role for uh, Manchester United. So I, I'm something just, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, tracking on the back, you know, back end or kind of like on the side is like how many teams are doing that. Do you, you know, if you haven't talented enough left back, you know, can they do that in possession and then distribute and kind of spray the ball out and you can attack with more numbers, but you need a really good player like a Luke Shaw or, uh, or um, Zinchenko to do that. But I agree, like fantastic mm-hmm. spectacle for, for the neutrals. Yeah. Zinchenko is just really, really good in possession, really calm on the ball, makes good passes. He's a, he's a good guy to have playing that role. And then you're right. I mean, Ben White isn't really a true fullback. He's He kind of came up as a center back. So for him to be able to slide over, that's natural for him. I mean, he did get subbed off um, at halftime in this one for Tomiyasu, which was something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, Arsenal look great. They're they're bringing in even more reinforcements. We saw Trossard come on, um, which was... Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what, kind, what type of role do you think he plays in the team? Do you think he pushes Martinelli... Um, yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, you think that, um, you think about their, their players going forward and Saka is going to be starting every game he's fit for and Odegaard is as well. Um, so Trossard fits in more on the wing. I I would think that if he's going to take someone's place, it's going to be, um, it's going to be taken Odegaard's or not Odegaard's spot, excuse me, Martinelli's just because he's been a little bit lacking in form, not involved in as many goals lately. Trussard looked really good when he came on. He definitely provided a little bit extra juice for them to push for that third goal. Um, he, I mean, he, he fits in really, really well to their system, I think. So I think that's a great addition. And then um, they also just made another new signing. Um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Polish center back though Jakub Kiwar Kiwario. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm not sure if you do. He played like every match in the World Cup. Um, signed from Spezia, left-footed yeah. center back. So you'd think that he'll probably just provide a little bit of cover right now. Um, I know they have Gabriel playing on that left side, so that would be his natural spot. But um, he was someone they've been tracking for a while. It seems like um, 20. Two, I believe. So another young uh, defender to add in for depth there as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we we've been you know heaping praise on Arsenal. We continue to do so, um, and honestly, if we keep doing it, I don't know. I have one more thing it, I want to bring debate. up about Arsenal right, before that? we move on. So this is sent over from our uh, mutual friend and correspondent Aaron Zinda. 
Um, it's a Twitter thread he pointed to my attention. Um, and it's, it's something that is very classic for him. I'm curious what your opinion will be on, but it's about um, Arsenal implying what... Uh, um, that's not the right word. Arsenal applying what they call uh, the basketball rule. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, it's been more Odegaard than anyone else, but a lot of their goal celebrations, they're like shooting basketball shots. Um, so basically, it's this really long thread, like maybe the longest Twitter thread I've ever seen about how uh, Arteta and Arsenal have taken a lot of influences from the game of basketball and try to incorporate it into their tactics. And it's something that Pep does too. Um, he has been notably like, he's, he said in interviews that he studies Magnus Carlsen on chess openings. And he also mm-hmm. is like very tight with an Argentine, Argentinian volleyball coach, um, rugby as well. So he tries to incorporate things from other sports. And Arteta has done something similar where he also has talked to uh, England's rugby coach, Eddie Jones. And then um, with Stan Kroenke being their owner, he's kind of visited the Avalanche and then talked to Sean McVay. So he's, he's dabbled in a few different sports. But um, basically the thread's a lot about how basketball and footy are both what they call invasion sports so you're basically attacking one team's end and defending your own and the thing that they've taken away the most from trying to incorporate some of this style has to do with their transitional play so it's kind of like the idea of there's a lot of rebounds on the basketball court there's a lot of changes in possession on the football pitch too where you're immediately changing from defense to offense or vice versa and it's pretty interesting, actually. I think there's a lot of good things to kind of point to in it. Um, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's funny. I, it's funny that Aaron, an American, a big basketball fan, sent this to me. He wanted to get your opinion on if there's any um, any merit in something like this. If you really think that like studying these other sports are going to make a difference tactically, um, so I kind of wanted to just get your thoughts on it. If that's a load of nonsense, or if you think there's something to it. Yeah, it's a tough question because I don't, I, I haven't read the thread. But I know I he actually think, didn't want me to send it and, to you before the pod, so he wanted to just get an immediate reaction. <laughs> long time, long time listener, Aaron. Um, I think there's, I mean, is there obvious value in understanding that that you need the initial moment when you gain or lose position or possession is oftentimes the most valuable moment, right? If you watch that Fulham the Spurs game yesterday, that's a great example. Um, Spurs, when they're able to get five men behind the ball, and and I think City's having this problem a lot this season, when you're able to get a lot of defenders behind the ball, it just makes it harder for the attacker. When you're able to get in position, then it's all a drill. Defenders know, you know, sort of how to defend a lot of time because it's a set formation. They've seen play, you know, they, they've seen where the ball moves and they, they understand the movements of attackers. It's very familiar and you can practice and rehearse that a lot. If you quickly mount an attack from a gain in possession, oftentimes the defense isn't set or settled. And so you're getting players to operate, you know, do moves or operate in ways that they're not, they can't train every week or operate. And so I think there's a ton of value in that, of course. Yeah. Um, like, and, and, and I think if you're, um, focused on that initial moment as being like the most important moment of like, hey, I just lost the ball. It's my first instinct. Because a lot of players, their first instinct is to put their hands up or to, you know, their body language changes. Whereas that's actually, it should be the opposite, right? You should, that first moment should be not when you have a body language reaction to the previous move. It should be when you, you know, act on uh, setting yourself up for the next move. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, you know, whether or not that specifically has helped Arsenal. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess there is some value, and I think this is for learning anything, let alone, you know, footy. 
But if you're learning anything, and, and Mikel Arteta speaking to, you know, adults who are largely around 21, 22, 24, 20, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old. These guys, you know, like the allure of the NBA, global superstars. They know like LeBron and all these big names. I mean, just by like making analogies or making comparisons to basketball, is Mikel perhaps able to get a lesson better received by his audience? Yes. And I think that's kind of like selling through analogies or you yeah. know, um, using different, different kind of means of delivering a message as a learning tool usually helps you retain information. So yeah, it's a little um, bit silly, but I think that's a good take on it. And you know, it is, this is like the dumb American talking, but their, their counterattack does look a little bit like a fast break on a basketball court. They, a lot of quick passes, they burst forward, um, overlapping runs. And so I don't know, it, it's an interesting thread. I'll tweet it out from our account. If anyone has any, any thoughts on it, I swear you won't be able to finish it though. I got through like 20 tweets and I just <laughs> had to stop. I scrolled through and I was like, this guy just won't stop. He keeps going. He must've gotten enough interaction or something, but, uh, that was yeah. funny. Um, I don't really want to talk that much about this, but Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. This was the other, what you would think marquee match of the weekend was going to be. Obviously both these teams are struggling. Um, the biggest thing I thought about the two takeaways I have in this one, Liverpool's midfield is bad, like bad, bad. Um, mm -hmm. they've been mixing it up a little bit. Fabinho is just past it at this point. Um, I don't think he's a really good option for them as a holding midfielder, but boy, like they started Naby Keita, um, who, you know, I think at this point we can all agree is probably not who they want to be playing. Uh, he came off after 60 some minutes, Tiago. I don't think he's really up for it either. And then uh, Stefan Bacetic, who is 18, I believe. It, they're a mess in the midfield. Like I, I think it's safe to say a mess. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they need some help. There's a Bellingham saga kind of goes on, right? People linking him with Liverpool. I just think they need some... They need a, a, a physical midfielder who could cover quite a bit of ground, and I don't think they necessarily have that as of right now. Um, and I think Harvey Elliott can do a job in central midfield for sure, but I think you probably need somebody else on the other side. And, you know, Henderson's getting on a bit. Um, so I'll echo that message. I think on the Chelsea side, um, the takeaway from that game is, wow, Mudrick. Yeah, that's the only really thing I wanted good. to talk about with Chelsea was him. Like, he could be nasty. Like, that bound to be door clause that you talked about last week, like, we could see some traction on that. Because so he, he looked so quick. He came out of the 55th minute and immediately changed the game. They weren't able to score, but he had a couple of decent opportunities, a couple of great runs, a couple of times where he showed his burst. I mean, he is fast. He can fly. But we kind of knew that coming in. That was the one thing that people were talking about was his pace. But his footwork, I mean, he had a couple of really nice dribbles. And he was backtracking, too. I think he had two or three tackles as well. Um, roaming a bit, not necessarily sticking to the left wing. He was he was backtracking. He was getting in the middle of the pitch, but extremely influential the second he got on there. I, I'm really, really excited to watch him play again. I mean, I was, I had some expectation for him, but Chelsea have just been so boring and just a little bit disorganized. And he just came on and was he provided a lot of life to that attack that they they desperately need. Um, so getting a full ninety, hopefully in his next match, he'll be able to make more of an impact. Yeah, I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you're thinking if this Potter team can get settled like Brighton did and, you know, for, for next season, and then instead of Leandro Tressar, we have a Mikhailo Mudrik, like that's kind of a scary thought, right? That's yeah. an exciting proposition. So, yeah. um, 
but but that game overall agreed uh don't want to it was a dud it was not about it too long it was a dud yeah. um uh and then we had another uh a big man city win three nil holland scored all three goals against wolves for his fourth hat trick of the season um i was able to watch that full game yeah. i thought uh it was a result that city really needed it just felt like they needed like a signature three nil four nil drubbing and i i thought that they played well but it was one of those game it was a game where you know they actually got the you know they got the ball to holland in in, in attacking positions and they hadn't really been that good at doing that in, in recent weeks um and and you know had a dominant win at home he's able to score a hat trick it kind of you know, steadied the ship, I think, in City's eyes. Um, yeah, but, I mean, you, know, you, you come off the game... Signature, signature win. You, right, right. You come off the game midweek where you score four goals in the second half against Spurs after a really shaky start down 2-0, right? So they've scored mm-hmm. seven goals in the last match and a half. And that Spurs match was not a complete performance. I mean, they, they didn't... They had to, like, really dig deep at halftime and come out and get three points there. This one was not their best performance, but an easy 3-0 win. Holland with a hat trick that he really didn't have to work that hard for. I mean, it was a decent header in the first goal, but one you'd expect him to score every time. And then a penalty, and then, you know, a, a sitter in the box that's played to his feet. So it was simple for him, but that's probably what they want. And he's clinical. You know, he's going to bury those chances. So I think he's back on track. I mean, four hat tricks this season is insane. So I don't think they have much to worry about other than Arsenal maybe not dropping points. But they just got to worry about what they're doing and keep getting results like that. Yeah, it does feel like from that from the halftime in that Spurs game that they've sort of if you know that kind of sealed that period where it was like, all right, City dropping a couple points, a little shaky. Can they score? You know what's going on with the team? Cancelo's not on the side. You know who starts? Um, and you know team selection headaches. And it seems like mm, some of that is starting to fade now. I think with ha- with the halftime, yeah, there's still some funny questions with the squad. What's Phil Foden doing? Um, you know, do we know what they're like? They're playing oftentimes four four central defenders in a back line, um, or three three central defenders. But then Rico Lewis is doing that kind of inverted wingback thing that I talked about earlier. Yeah, he's playing the Zinchenko role, which Arteta probably learned from Pep, for being honest. But yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I think I think you think after that halftime game with against Spurs, you think City are starting to kind of find back that cruise control. Yeah, they seem like they're back on track. Yeah. Um, Speaking of back on track, Unai Emery. um, So Villa snagged a 1-0 win away at the South Coast against Southampton. Uh, Header from Ollie Watkins. A couple of nice saves from Martinez to keep a clean sheet. Villa now have the second most points in the Premier League since Unai Emery has taken charge. They've won their last three away games on the bounce. What do we yeah. think about how do we feel? How are we feeling about Unai Emery's Aston Villa, Chris? I feel good. Uh, the thing about the team right now compared to where they were at with Gerard is I don't think. I mean, he hasn't. They're not bringing in new players. He's playing the same squad, right? Um, they are more confident. They're more more composed, and they're getting results in matches that they wouldn't have under Gerard. Like the Leeds last week, and then um, you know Southampton this week. Like those are matches that would have slipped away from them under Gerard. Um, not only would they have not gotten three points, they might have lost them. They didn't play that great this weekend. It wasn't a bad performance overall, but they really had to grind out a win. They got a late goal, and it didn't feel like it was coming. Um, but they found a way to do it. I, I feel like there's just a different sense of belief under Emery. He's already like done a really, really good job of 
um, trying to connect to the club, to the supporters. He's come out with a lot of statements. He's making these Instagram posts at like midnight where he's still at Villa Park. And he's talking about how it feels like a home and all this stuff, which is a little bit, you know, whatever. But it seems to be working. I, it seems like they really want to go out and play hard for him. But also they're not panicking. They're not making a lot of the same mistakes that they had been making. They're not necessarily a lot more clinical going forward at the moment, which I think is maybe the next step. And they probably need to bring in at least one or two more players uh, in order to do that because they, they're lacking a little bit depth, a little bit of depth up top, especially after just selling Danny Ings. They just let Cameron Archer go out and loan for the second half of the season. So they got to figure that out. But in terms of the way they've been playing, I don't think it's like a night and day difference necessarily to what they were doing with Gerard. It's just little tweaks here and there. And then an overall just mindset shift where this this team just feels like they're going to see out wins. They're going to get late goals. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit of a different just vibe to the team um, and the way they're playing on the pitch. Yeah, I need to meme that, Chris. Like good vibes, like like good evening vibes uh, for <laughs> Unai Emery. Um, but I, I agree. I think there's a definitely a mentality shift. And Unai's talked about that a little bit. He's very well-documented for his opinions on um, sports psychology and how that's a critical part of the game. I I think the other thing that I'm seeing is at, at Villa is they're getting rid of dead weight, right? Jan Bednarik is back back to Southampton. What a strange loan that was. Danny yep. Ings off to West Ham. Morgan Sanson um, gone to Strasbourg on loan. Um, uh, Frederick Gilbert fully sold to Strasbourg, Strasbourg on loan. And so I think it's very clear now that Steven Gerrard was treading water and kind of just throwing paint at the wall and see what stuck. And it's extremely clear that Unai Emery knows how many players he needs in each position and what specific profile he wants in each position to go out and coach them to become better footballers and get better results. And just a really clear, concise vision for what he wants yeah. in terms of his ro- roster buildup. And then I imagine a lot of that is is carrying over onto the training ground as well in terms of where players need to be, how he expects them to play, etc. And, uh, and just some clear messaging and some clear directive is doing Villa the world of good. Do I think that they're humming on all cylinders and, you know, at peak form? No, but um, just this clear directive shows you kind of how talented this squad is, right? Yeah. It's a good it's a good squad, right? I think Bubakar Kamara is maybe one of the best holding midfielders in the Premier League right now. No, I think what you said, a clear vision is exactly right. And every decision he's made, it seems like there's a lot of intent behind it. He, he feels like he really knows what he's doing. You can, you can kind of just feel the experience that he has compared to Gerard, even the way he's been dealing with the press too. He's very open about transfer policies, about where guys stand, about what he wants to be doing going forward. Gerard was always a little bit dodgy, um, you know, didn't like um, play, like playing all of his cards and always, it seemed to be right. Like it seemed like he was making decisions. He's like, well, I, we got to try something new. Hopefully this works where Emery, you can, you can see that there's a vision there. There's a strategy, a plan that he just wants to execute. It's going to take a little bit of time, but you're right. They're not humming on all cylinders and they are getting a lot of results. So I think everything's looking really good so far with his start. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately we're, we're going to end out We're we're going to kind of talk about two teams here at the bottom, towards the bottom of the table, Chris, Frankie, Frank Lampard, um, sacked from Everton. What do they do? What's next? Who gets, first of all, who do you think gets the job and do you think they stay up? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with just, I think they probably should have done this earlier. It wasn't working. Um, they needed a change and it, it, it was, it was inevitable. So I think when the sacking is inevitable, just do it right then. Right. That's kind of how I feel about content with Spurs, but, um, 
I mean, I, I feel for Frank a little bit because I think the club's just kind of a mess at the moment. Um, you can kind of tell by who they're looking at and who they're rumored to be um, looking to replace Lampard with, right? The, the big names I've seen have been Sean Dyche. I think that would make sense. Good manager, like the guy. Sam Allardyce. And then Marcelo Bielsa. Like, if you're if two of your top three candidates are Marcelo Bielsa and Sam Allardyce, then you don't know where you want to take the club, right? Because those are completely yeah. different names. Like, night and day in terms of their styles, in terms of their... Uh, personalities. Also, you know, Allardyce is just basically a band-aid. He has been for a long time. You, you try to get him to stay up and to make a move in the summer or something. Bielsa's like, all right, long-term, we're going to revamp the way we play. We're going to, you know, it's just so different. So I don't think they have any idea what they're doing. Obviously, they're going to do whatever they can to try to stay up, and that's basically what they did last year when they brought Lampard in. He got appointed last January, so they were in the same spot last season. They're, they're not in a good place right now. Um, I just, I don't know. They, they were just trying to sign Dan Juma that got hijacked Spurs came in and, uh, and got him instead. So I don't know. I also, it looks like Anthony Gordon might be going to Newcastle. I mean, remember when he was going to get sold to Chelsea for like 60 million in the summer. Now he's going to go to Newcastle for like a, a fourth of that probably, but I, yeah. it, things don't look good at Everton right now. No, they don't. And, um, and it, again, I've said this before, but it just reminds me of Aston Villa, eight, nine years ago um, in the Tony Gia days uh, or right before the Tony Gia days. Um, it, it reminds me of, you know, Newcastle, I guess, under Mike Ashley, kind of when they've got went down, like just these big clubs with a big following that, you know, are her kind of staples of English football. But, you know, you see it go, go really south for some clubs, right? Um, and, and they end up kind of ending down in, you know, find themselves down in league one, right? Like at Leeds went down for a long time, took them a long time to get back up. Forest is another example, European champions. So, um, and obviously they're back up now, but there's other teams that are kind of hovering down, you know, Blackburn's always kind of like they're struggled to get back up to the premier league. It's just big teams that, that, that can fall down the football league. So I think what's next, I think they probably do go down this season. <sighs> I, I would I would bet on them to go down, but it, it's so contingent on the appointment, right? Like if it's a manager who can who can come in and, and you know rally the team behind, hey, we got to stay up and we got to do this thing again. I think that the challenge that they face is they just had the same song and dance last January, right? Yeah. From Frank Lampard, like, hey, I'm the man for the job. Like, let's you know we're gonna be good. Let's get through the end of the season and crack on next season. And someone's gonna have to do that again with the same group, and that's tough to do. Um, can't imagine Jordan Pickford in the championship. They're, so they're really they, spinning the tires right now. I mean, nothing's working, and they're not really moving forward in any way. But they have every opportunity to stay up. I mean, no team at this point is doomed. The bottom of the table is extremely tight. There's seven clubs down there. So right. you know, all you gotta do is kick on and get a couple of wins, get some momentum. They still have talent on that squad, right? There's there's yeah. some good players in that team, but it's not looking good right now. There's not a lot to be excited yeah. about if you're a, an Everton supporter. I mean, I mean, Nor Nottingham Forest is a great example. Like they're in thirteenth right now. I think they could easily go down, right? They just got a, a few handful of results, um, you know, on the back of this world uh, coming back from the World Cup, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Yeah, Forest is staying up." Like they're not a good squad, right? They they uh, on, they're a big squad on on paper. They're uh, they just they're not great. They don't do anything that particularly well. They've got a couple of good players, sure. I really like Brennan Johnson. I think Ryan Yates runs. You is know, that Chris Wood on one? That could help. But. Yeah, but like, yeah, like, what is? How do no, I, I agree. I just I, think 
I think, yeah, I think with Everton, though, like every opportunity is there. Are they one of the three worst squads in the league? I don't think so, right? So but that's not that's not the question. It's it's not no, a it's question not. of are you one of the worst squads. It's no, but the, the question of calamity of errors. You know, like yeah. So it's not great. Um, I think my last thing on Frank is I, I felt for him because I'm like, yeah, the club's kind of tough, uh, not in a great spot. And then I was like thinking back, I was like, he's never had success at any club he's been at. And I was like, well, Chelsea, that's kind of crazy with Abramovich. And then before that, he was at Derby. We all know what's happened to Derby since. Kind of crazy. Um, so he hasn't, he's never really been at a club with a bunch of stability, but he's also n- not done anything to know. And I, I think no, it's you know, similar to, yeah, I think it's Steven Gerrard. It's similar to Steven Gerrard. It's like, hey, maybe he's just not that good of a football manager. Great player, commanding presence in the locker room, but like, tactically doesn't have the wherewithal or, or the understanding of the game from, from a managerial perspective. Or it's that, just an experience thing. I mean, you look at Mikel Arteta, he, he coached under Pep for a while and it took him a little yeah. while to get going at Arsenal, but he had a, a club that was basically committed to giving him an opportunity, right? So I don't think that Gerard and Lampard are necessarily like done as managers long-term, but they, they're not ready to be managing a big Premier League club at this point. It's pretty clear. So they need to get some more experience under them belt, under their belts and maybe they'll get another opportunity. Um, but yeah, Frank isn't coming back to the Prem this season. I know that. Well, my last question for you, Chris, before we move to the fantasy corner, do you think Jesse Marsh makes it through the end of the season? Is he any good? Yeah, I think he will. I hope he does. I think he's, he's good for the Premier League. He's definitely good for the Premier League in the, in the U S um, He's got some he's got some learning to do too. I mean, he had that press conference last week talking about um, basically just like going in on the media for trying to like disrupt their locker room, making up shit, whatever. It's like, dude, that's what they do, right? Like that you gotta you can't like freak out when the media does exactly what they do every time. He, he's he's got a lot of energy though. He's got a lot of passion. I think Le- the way Leeds play. Um, they're fun to watch. They're they're not a boring team. They're just not very consistent, and they're not that good defensively. So I hope he makes it through the season. At this point, I do think he will. They're uh, they're bringing in some signings too that hopefully will kind of reinvigorate the squad there. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. I think the business that they're they're making is good. It's all familiar with sort of this high intensity play on the front foot style, right? Um, which is you know. Similar, similar to the basketball idea, right? Like win the ball back quickly and, and um, you know, uh, go on the fast break. And that's kind of how they're trying to do everything. The problem is, is like when they try and win the ball back quickly all the time, they end up, you know, sometimes missing, right? And then people get in behind and score goals. Um, I think there's the bones of a good young squad in there. I like Nyoto. Um, I like Aronson. Um, I like Tyler Adams. I like Vober, who they just picked up. I like Melier and Net. I think there's the bones there of a good team and some of the business we'll see you know how uh i think it's like Jorginho ruter or yep. Jorginho ruter how he comes Neon, in sinister yes um you know christensen's on the on the bench he's our or you know the right back he's all right yeah sinistera so I, I think there's but there's some players in there who aren't premier league quality right sam greenwood coming off the bench uh, patrick bamford's not premier league quality i don't rate jack harrison highly enough i think the big the the big thing for Leeds is they. I think they have to look at some of these other teams in the table, like the Crystal Palaces and the Aston Villas and the teams who, and and kind of ask themselves like, are they going to commit to that journey for like three, four, five years to try and you know build build a team that can then challenge for Europe, 
Or are they kind of like, hey, we're leads. We're, we want to be top half of the Premier League. We want to be, you know, want to be up there. And, and they'll get impatient with Marsh, Marsh and sack him. Um, but I agree. I think he should well, stay. I think over time he can do well. I think he's he's got good intentions. But I think the Premier League is is at a level that he's never managed at before. And I think I do agree with you that sometimes I feel like he's a little out of his depth because he has a lot of energy. And sometimes I don't feel like he points that energy at things that are most likely to yield him managerial returns and results yeah the, the only other thing i'll say on it because you just brought up the point if you know what whether they'll be patient see out the long-term vision you know a few years or whatever i think they kind of showed that they might not because they were doing that with bielsa who was basically a legend at leeds and they were maybe going to go down so they pulled the trigger so i think they're going to do whatever they kind of stay up and if that means sacking him then it means sacking him um i'm hoping that they don't have to do that because i think like i said i think he's a good personality to have in the league right now. But I, I think they already kind of showed like they had a, a manager that the fans loved that got them to where they were. And they were like, Hey, we need to stay up and sorry, this isn't working out. So I don't know. Yeah. I think probably a short, shorter leash than we think. Um, so let's jump into our fantasy corner. We're going to pop in, pop out of the fantasy corner, your fantasy corner hosted by Keels. There's a Keels lotion in front of me. So it's hosted by Keels. Um, we, we, me and um, Chris and uh, longtime listeners Andrew Lockman and Nick Harmon have been talking been talking about uh, what price Erling Holland will be next season. Um, I started a Twitter thread about it. They got a little bit of action from you know all corners of FPL Twitter. Chris, what do you what price do you think Holland will be next season? You know, this isn't something that I nerd out on as much as like you and Nick do. Um, when it comes to like historic fantasy uh, precedent and things like that, I know they were Nick sent us something about Thierry Henry and the highest price player uh, historically. I didn't even realize they had fantasy fantasy prem at that time. But um, to make things competitive and more interesting, you know, you'd think maybe fifteen million. I don't know. I used it seventeen in the Twitter thread, which I think you were just trying to spark engagement with that because that's insane. <laughs> but there there should be some some way to even out the playing field and also just make things more interesting. Like no one's forced to do anything other than captain Holland every week right now, which is annoying. I actually captain trip here this past week and it almost cost me. Um, it's just, it makes things a little bit less interesting and less fun. So I would say like 15 mil, um, I think is a good starting price. People will still take him at that price and it'll probably be worth it, but it'll make you hesitant to bring him in. Yeah, I like 15 mil. I think 15 mil, honestly, is, is a good price. Um, I'm, I, that's like the number that I, I've got in my head just because it's going to be stupid next season if the season's – like Holland's going to bang in 40-plus goals this season. Um, he's going to set the modern Premier League record for goals in a season. If he kicks on, he could really do more if City really start humming, right? Phone comes back, et cetera. Um, so he's going to – he's gonna, you know, he could get close to 50 goals. And like that's nuts, right? So I, I think – you need a way where it's difficult for you to have him and have a serviceable team around him. And so people can hopefully like make up points by not just having him and captaining him every week. Cause it kind of breaks the game, you know? Agreed. Um, but um, anyway, uh, that was in the fancy corner. We found a little box, a little mystery box that I wanted to get your take on. Um, as a friendly reminder, you've got, we've got cup games until February 3rd. So we're recording here on Tuesday, January 24th. Um, cup games until February 3rd. So you got a little bit of time to assess what's going on in the cup. Um, Newcastle beat Southampton today, I think. Yeah, 1-0, I believe. Right. In the, in the EFL cup. cup. Yep. Um, 
Yep. Um, so you got a couple of cup matches um, and, and news of double game weeks. It's still pending what happens. Um, I think the, the one take and player who I'm eager to get in my team over the next few weeks um, is small asterisks. I'm nervous that, like we talked about, Villa might do some business and get another player here. But I think Leon Bailey, he's playing as a, as a forward for this Villa team. And he's got something like, he's averaging like 0.6 XG um, in his last per game and his last four starts. Um, he's getting really good chances. Um, I think he had a 12 point or two games ago. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of want a Villa play in my team when Villa are playing this well under Emery and I don't have one. So um, I'm, I'm all aboard the Leon Bailey bandwagon, similarly to my Matoma, I'm a, being a Matoma man, which came through from last week. So you're welcome. Yeah, I've had Bailey's been in and out of my pick. squad this season. Um, I think his performance against Leeds um, two matches ago was the best I've seen him play for Villa. He was electric all over the ball, really aggressive in terms of shooting as well. And um, he took a little bit of a step back this past weekend. He, I think his next step is just finding consistency because he does disappear sometimes on the pitch, um, but he's not valued very high. So it's not a big risk to bring him in. If you have him first off your bench, that's not a bad option either. So I like him as a pickup, definitely. All right. Love it. All right, Chris, you got trivia. Let's ride. I do. I do. I looked at a few different things. Um have I? I think I've talked to you about them before, but I'm not sure if you're a follower. Do you know anything about the other 14 Twitter account? No. Okay, it's one of my favorites. I've followed them for a few years, and they do stats and numbers just on the clubs in the Premier League that don't include the traditional big six, so City, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, and Liverpool. So it's only about the other 14 clubs that are in the Premier League. Uh, it's a really good account. I highly recommend following them if you're uh, a fan of the Prem and you get a little bit annoyed with the amount that the big clubs get talked about. Um, so this stat is from the other 14. Now it's wow. um, it's through yes yeah, through Sunday. So this is updated. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure. I included this last week. This one's gonna be a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna include the top one, two, three, four. Five top 11 players on here um, and see how many you can get. I think if you can get like close to half, that'll be pretty good. Um, and then we'll go over Cause it, this is an interesting list in my opinion. And um, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. So if you don't get that many, I'm not going to really think that negative. Cause it's a little bit tricky, but also one caveat, one of these players has played the majority of his season with the other 14. So that, that one's probably a giveaway, but um, anyway, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. And the statistic that I need you to give me is the top 11 players from the other 14 clubs uh, in combined goals and assists per 90. So it's goals and assists per 90 minutes. And it's and an, any. Go ahead. And it's and it's anyone who's not on one of the big six. And the big six is the traditional big six or the yep. current top six in the table. The traditional big six. Um, the other caveat, it's a minimum of five combined goals and assists. So, you know, um, not like some guy who just got subbed on for five minutes and got one goal involvement. So yeah, the other 14 clubs, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you the top 11 guys on there. Um, all of them have at least five goals and assists combined this season. Um, and I'm going to give you six question. Yeah. Quick, quick clarifying question. Is it 11, like a starting 11, like one of nope. each position or is it just 11? No, just, just the top 11 guys on the list. They're all averaging 0.6 goals and assists per 90 or higher. Okay. 
going to be tricky. I'm going to start it in five seconds. Four, All right. three, two, one. All right, so Trossard because of the hint. Yeah, Trossard. Um, Mitrovic. Yep. Um, Ivan Tony. Yep. Um, Andreas Pereira. No. Brian Mbomo. Nope. Um, Ollie Watkins. No. Wilfred Zaha. Nope. Brennan Johnson. Nope. Rodrigo. Yes. Halfway through, you got four. Um, uh, Dominic Solanke. No. Uh, Philip Billing. Nope. Um, Just get off Bournemouth. Let's see. Yeah, get off Bournemouth. Uh, Callum Wilson. Yes. Kieran Trippier. No. Miguel Almiron. Uh, no. Um, uh, James Madison. Yeah, that's six, three, two, um, one. Okay, you got six. That's that's good. That's really good. And this is this is a tough one. Miguel Miguel Almiron was twelve, so he was the next guy. So you oh, you basically got, you got seven of the top twelve, which is pretty pretty good. And Wilf wasn't on there. Wilf is not on there now. Uh, he's played a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes. So. There's like the, the, the guys you named at the beginning, Trossard, Mitrovic, Tony, all just had a lot of goal involvements, right? Uh, a lot of these other guys, it's more of the impact they've made. So a good amount of goal involvements with less minutes. The top guy on the list is definitely a newcomer to it. Um, he has not, he's played 199 minutes this season and has five goal involvements. Jeez. Um, I was going to say maybe, maybe Pascal, Pascal Gross. No. Is he on that list? He's actually fourteenth. Not far off. Or like uh and not Alexis McAllister. No. Brennan Johnson? No, you did actually guess him. So no I guess uh, him. no forest players. So the the rest of the guys oh. on the list, there's two from Brighton. Two from Brighton, really? There's M- Matoma and Sully March? Matoma was number eleven on the list. No, I didn't get my man. No. I know. No silly March. Um, so you have one more Brighton guy. You have one more Leeds player. You have one more Leicester player. And then a guy, I'll just say Danny Yang's Villa and now West Ham. Okay. So the Brighton player that you did mention is the guy at the top. 199 minutes played, five goal involvements. Oh, that's this new guy, Ferguson. Yeah, Evan Ferguson. He has 2.26 goals and assists per 90 right now. Wow. Next size is, I... is Tony at 0.89. That's crazy. It, wait, so did you say uh, Ward-Prowse isn't on the list? Uh, no, you, you didn't guess him, but no, he's not on there. Okay. So it goes um... Evan Ferguson, Ivan Tony, James Madison. Next one's a Leeds player. It was not Rodrigo. Uh... Willie Willie Noto? No, this one's tough. Only five goal involvements. Hey, hey. It's Crescencio Somerville. Ooh, Crescencio. Four goals and an assist in five hundred and fifty one minutes. Pretty impressive. Then you got Mitrovic, Callum Wilson, then another Leicester player who I wouldn't have guessed. Harvey Barnes? No. Um and what's the minutes on him? Seven hundred and six. Three goals, three assists. It's Pats and Daka. Pats and Daka. And then the rest of the list we, we've already discussed. Rodrigo, Danny Yangs, Leandro Trossard, and Matoma. And then 12 was Miggy Almiron. 
Yep. And then you mentioned Pascal Gross, other notables. Leon Bailey's down there at like number 20. Elise and Edward make the list. Ollie Watkins makes the list. Sully March actually is number 19. You mentioned him as well. And then the other two on the top 20 are Yohan Wissa and Josh De Silva. Wow. Fair yeah. play. Fair play. Ferguson, well done, Ferguson. That's insane. I mean, obviously, it's a really small sample size. It's going to even out. But, geez, what an impact. Yeah, I love that question, too. We definitely and, and some recency as well with Matoma and um, all these guys who have high goal involvements in, in low minutes. But yeah, because they've been playing more recently and didn't start the season. Yeah, definitely. So uh, good job. You got six out of the 11 and like seven out of 12. That's better than I would have done, I think. So well done. Um, we'll do another trivia. I'll, I'll get another test next week, but, uh, we've been on a roll with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's jump over to predictor app picks, Chris. We got, again, like we said earlier, games starting on February 3rd. I think the predictor games are officially on February 4th. First one, we've talked about Villa a little bit. Villa Lester. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, this feels like so far away, you know, we got like a week and a half, but, um, just the way they've been playing, I, I'm going to back Villa. I'm going to go two one Villa. Yeah, I think Villa just came off that win on the road. I think Villa's going to use this time because they lost to Stevenage in the Cup. Um, I think they're going to just reset a little bit. They might be doing a little bit of business. Um, I think Una Emery, again, just you give him time and he's showing what he can do. So I like Villa here, but I like with a little bit more of a authoritative win. I like 2-0 actually okay. in this one. All right, next match we have United at home against Palace. So this game, these two teams matched up recently in a 1-1 draw. Michael Elise, late free kick. Um, this one's going to be at Old Trafford. Um, and Palace are struggling to find goals right now. I think United probably win this one 2-0. I'm also going 2-0. I watched that full 90 of uh, United Palace. Palace, they didn't really get like played off the pitch by any means. But they probably were a little bit fortunate to get the draw out of it. They had a good performance, don't get me wrong. But um, they're going through a gauntlet right now. United, then Newcastle, back to United. They have a really, really tough stretch of their season. Um, and they really have been hurting for goals. I don't see it turning around right now. I'm not seeing enough out of them going forward. So I'm going to go 2-0 United as well. Um, then we have Wolves at home against Liverpool. Two teams that really need results. Yeah, two teams really need results, but again, I think Wolves, you know, this Wolves Lopetegui side ain't that bad. They did just meet in the cup recently. Wolves looking for a little vengeance. I'm all I'm pile on the, you know, pillage Liverpool station right now. Um I'm gonna go Wolves one nil win. I'm gonna I know I kinda shit on Liverpool earlier. Um they they have no wins in their last three. I'm going to say that they get a win here. I think Cody Gappo is going to kick on at some point. We saw him in the World Cup. He was electric in the World Cup. He has not gotten off to a hot start. It's very early. And I think them having a little bit of time here in between Premier League matches is going to be a good thing for them. I think that they're going to end up bouncing back. I'm going to go 1-0 Liverpool. Wolves don't get a lot of goals. So um, then we have a team that doesn't concede a lot of goals, Newcastle at home against West Ham, a team that is also desperate for points. What do you like here? Yeah, I think Newcastle win this one 3-0. Um, I think Newcastle kind of release that pent-up energy they have from uh, their nil-nil draw against Palace. They're back at home. They're really tough to beat at home. I think they win 3-0. Um, and I think that result is... <sighs> David Moyes just bought himself some more time, but I think if they go to Newcastle and just get thrashed... 
um, Moyes is going to find himself under the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, he might have bought himself a little bit of time, but it was against Everton at home. Um, so it's not like it was, you know, some insane result for them. They got the win on. Yep. Um, I agree. Newcastle watching them against Palace, it was nil-nil, but oh man, they're they're a force right now. And they're impossible to score on. They have 16 clean sheets in all competitions this season. I believe it's now six insane. straight in the Prem. Uh, I think they're going to keep another one. I'm going to go 2-0, though. Not quite as big of a beatdown, but yeah, 2-0 Newcastle. So that's, they have a lot of 2-0 home results here. Uh, and then the last one is uh, a real relegation scrap. Forest at home against Leeds. Yeah, I... This one will be tough. I, I do... Th- I think there will be there'll be goals in the game. Um, Forest at home. It's, you know, they're trying to make that a fortress. Forest, fortress. Um, and... I, you know, I, like I said, Leeds, that is a stretch. Leeds are, are, I just don't like breaking this one. I feel like he can go either way. I'm going to say Leeds win 2-1 and get just like a classic chaotic, like they're bleeding from the knee, elbow, hip, but they kind of come out with a win and win 2-1. I am leaning Leeds as well. So Forrest are unbeaten in their last four games, um, but they played shit teams. Bournemouth, Leicester, Southampton, and Chelsea. So just bottom of the barrel clubs. Um, I think that bottom Leeds... Of the barrel, bottom <laughs> of the barrel, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I just need to get a little dig in there. Um, no, I think Forrest are playing a lot better. They're getting results, but they're still not that good, like we talked about. And Leeds, they need points here. I, I'm going to go 1-0 Leeds. Leads. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up our predictor section. As always, gang, uh, feel free to download the NBC predictor app. Our league code is S9YQB6. Um, I did have a call with the company who run, who like makes the predictor league like a couple of years ago because we were tweeting out the league code so much and gave them some feedback on how to make the app better. So they are obviously implementing that feedback just for Just Goes to Show participants. So be sure to download um, and make your picks and win some money. Um, and then we're going to close it out here just with sharing some – wow, I tease this up. It's just so lame. But it was sharing some uh, some things we want to get done this year. So Chris and I, obviously, this is our third episode of the new year. We're with some regularity where we're recording. Um, and so we jotted down some things, and we, we've talked a little bit about some of the things we want to do this year for listeners. Uh, first one is like an obvious one, like something that every podcast or every – you know, media source wants to do, which is grow its presence on Twitter. Twitter is this place where I consume so much soccer knowledge. And so, you know, if you're on Twitter, if you, you know, uh, if you use Twitter to follow any, everything Premier League related, just give us a follow. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet stuff out from my personal account occasionally. Feel free to like retweet or just like, you know, reply back. If you read something and think I'm an idiot, like I baited a few people the other day with Holland at 17 million for next season, just reply to that stuff. Um, anything we can do just to get more eyeballs on our Twitter is great. Yeah, we'll try to do um, more from then, the, the actual pod Twitter account, but I think a lot right. of it will be from our personal ones. Um, I know you've basically branded yours to be strictly footy. I, I think we'll probably be doing a little bit more of live tweeting through matches, trying to get discussion going uh, while games are actually going as well. So if you have any ideas, any thoughts, just feel free to tweet at either of us. We're, we're on Twitter all the time, and that's where we... We, we talk play 24-7 on Twitter. So we'll definitely we'll definitely look for some more engagement and interaction there. Yeah, and then, Chris, uh, the next one is something that you brought up, which I think is a really cool idea. So yeah, I'll, this you, is, I'll give you the floor to share. This is something that I've kind of been thinking about for a long time but haven't really totally um, figured out what I want to do with it. So this is something that I'd love to get recommendations, ideas on. But um, I'm a big 
movie fan, TV fan. Uh, I consume a lot of that kind of stuff, and I, I follow um, the happenings in that world uh, nearly as much as I do in the footy world. So I'd like to try to, especially on weeks where um, there might not be matches or things over the summer, um, incorporate some type of, um, you know, alternative media, different types of things where we can maybe be reviewing documentaries, shows. There's a lot more footy content coming out. Um, a couple examples like the All or Nothing Amazon series that they do every year. Um, you know, like the Welcome to Wrexham show. There's a lot of good footy movies, documentaries, things like that. So if anyone has any good recommendations of things that would be good for discussion, shoot them our way, or even like format-wise, things you'd like to see. Um, but I'd love to, to dive into that. And I think it'd be good on weeks where there might not be as much prem action so we can still talk and, and talk footy. And um, that might be something that's a little bit fun and different for people that are listening. Uh, which I, I love because I know um, for Chris, two of his like biggest interests in life are, you know, Premier League. And then two is like, you know, he's a big, what do you even call like film head, movie head, buff. doc head? I think buff is the word when you, when you associate <laughs> with film. Hey, yeah, I watch a lot of right. movies and TV. That's like, I, I don't listen to footy podcasts as much. I listen to like TV and movie podcasts. I'm a big sports fan, but that's my other thing that I consume a lot of content on and like to discuss. So I think if we can blend the two together, that would be a lot of fun. And it's something that I'm definitely knowledgeable and like talking about. So, yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff out there, right? Like Ted Lasso for, for those who've seen it, great show. It takes place at Crystal Palace, um, at Selhurst Park. Um, and, you know, welcome to Wrexham. A lot of people ask me about that show. So a lot of good stuff out there that keeps, you know, that is interesting when it comes to English football in the Premier League. Um, and so I think that's a, a brilliant idea and something we've, we've gotten the dock for this year. Um, other things we want to keep doing is just blending more fantasy news and insights and opinions. Um, so if, you know, obviously we have the fantasy corner, but if we want to supplement that with data for y'all, if you guys listening to the pod are big fantasy players, like we're kind of like on the fence with, you know, I, my, my Twitter, I tweet a lot about fantasy. So, um, if it's something that you're into, feel free to let us know. And, um, we want to incorporate more of that this year. Um, and then lastly, Chris and I have been to England a few times, you know, me and my family have season tickets to Aston Villa, Crystal Palace memberships all across London teams. Um, and so we have a lot of experience going to England. Chris has been there with his family. Um, we brought his dad, his brother along, like we've, you know, we've done the whole thing. So we're, whether it's like in the future going over an itinerary, if you're thinking about a trip or where to go in England, who to see, how to go about it. Um, and then we've, we're also hoping to get over there ourselves and kind of talk about it on the pod as well. So just like in-person England footy experience is something we want to get on the pod more um, through different forms. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that um, will be more and more popular as a destination, especially for Americans going forward as the Prem grows. And so we have a lot of experience doing that, not just with the Prem, but with lower leagues as well, which is just an unbelievable experience to go to a League One, League Two scrap. Um, that's more fun than the Premier League games sometimes. So we know a lot of restaurants, bars, this and that. And uh, obviously, I mean, Jack used to live there. He's been there a million times. I've been there a few myself. So um, we'll probably try to talk a little bit more of that. Like this is another kind of thing that we might be doing when there's not a ton of prem action going on to talk about where we can incorporate some uh, like some deep dives into different things around the culture of footy uh, rather than just talking about what's going on in the pitch. Yeah. And then um, last two things we want to do. These are, these are, these are simple and things that other podcasts do. First one is we want to get more guests so uh, we've had a couple guests on the pod over the years. Shout out Nick, Nick, 
uh, Nick Harmon, Andrew Lockman. Um, but overall, more guests, more opinions, more voices. So if you got a mic, you got a, the ability to record, anything like that, like let us know. Um, I've been on a couple other podcasts. Uh, a couple guys around Chicago run one that I've been on talking about Aston Villa. So more guests this year, something we want to do. Yep. And the last one is the most exciting is merch. Uh, we don't really have um, any any like specific merch that we're working on right now, but something that would be fun. Uh, I mean, I even if it's just for us too, I think it's worth it to do it anyway. But I think some people might be interested in repping the the JGTS letters. So we're gonna figure that out. If anyone has any good ideas, graphic design, they want to mess around and work on something for us, that would be dope. But if not, we'll be uh, we'll be kind of checking that out and exploring it on our end as well. Dang merch, JGTS. Um, I'm buzzing about that. One. Every I'm good like, pod has merch, like man. To- Every good pot has merch. Right. We gotta gotta have it. Yeah. Like it, love it, gotta have it. Um, well, as always, gang, give us a follow on Twitter at Ghost of Show Pod. Um, Chris, that's I think all I've got for this week. Me too, Jack. Everyone's human. Thanks for listening as always. Bye.